Would you join with me in praying? Heavenly Father, tonight as we have this opportunity to come before you and sing songs of worship to your name, we're privileged to exalt you. You're an incredible God. You're the creator of the universe. You have made all things, and you desire to have a relationship with us. And Father God, no matter where we find ourselves, no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter what is happening in our circumstances, Father, you are right there beside us. As you were with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the hardest times, and in the midst of a literal fire, you were there with them, Father God. And we're thankful that that same God, you are next to us. You're near to us, Father, in every situation where we find ourselves. Lord, tonight as we open your word, as we study together, as we hear, would you speak to us in a powerful way? Would you encourage us? Would you challenge us? Would you edify us? But most of all, Father God, our prayers that we would leave here tonight changed because of our encounter with you. We ask these things, Father, in your holy name. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Well, good evening. <laughs> Let's try that again. Good evening. It, um, man, it's so good to see each and every one of you guys. Um, hopefully, I got a chance to talk to you beforehand. My name is Daniel. Everyone calls me Stallion, and I'm so privileged to be hanging out with you guys. Um, as James said, if you're visiting with us, whether it's your hundredth time, first, second, third time, we are so happy that you are here. We truly believe that you belong here. Uh, we believe that, that you have a place here in this church, in this student ministry, and we're excited that you're here with us tonight. And so no matter what life looks like, no matter what happens Sunday night, this is your spot. And um, when we come and gather together in this place, it's our desire to look at God's word, to grow together, and to find out uh, what he's saying. And not just what he's saying, but, but what it means for us, how it applies to us, how it applies to our everyday lives. And so... We are doing that this evening. We're starting a new series, um, as you heard, for the next month called TBH, um, where we're talking about To Be Honest, and we're going to get into that in just a second. I think it's, it's interesting for me, I always grew up with friends who loved to joke, and like people who loved to tell stories, they would try to get you to believe something that actually wasn't true, okay? And maybe you've experienced this before. Um, I had one person who was especially good at this, the man, the myth, the legend, you may have heard of him before, his name is Tyler Smith. You guys remember Tyler? Tyler was incredible at telling a story um, or in telling you something and trying to convince you, and it was totally, totally made up. Like he, would, he would try to see how long he could go uh, before he would actually tell you that it was the truth. I remember this one time I was at his house, and my car was making a weird sound, and I was telling him, dude, my car's making this weird sound, and he started asking me about the sound that my car was making. And I was like, okay, like, you seem like oddly interested in my car. And he's like, no, like, it, like, is it a click sound or is it a clack sound? I was like, dude, you're not a mechanic, and I don't even know the difference. And he was asking me about these sounds. He said, dude, actually, because the reason I'm asking you is, like, my truck has been making a similar sound. I said, really? Your truck? Same as my car? He's like, yeah, the same sound. He goes, and I'm not really sure why. He goes, it might have something to do with the, the rainstorm the other night. I was like, what rainstorm the other night? He's like, well, the rainstorm the other night. You, you know, right? I was like, yeah, sure, the rainstorm. <laughs> And he started to go on this elaborate story about how he was in this rainstorm that was only by his house and how he hit a deer, but maybe didn't hit a deer, but he found remnants of a deer under his car. I was like, dude, you totally hit a deer. And it wasn't until about like, probably like 15 minutes in that I realized that he had made the whole entire thing up. His car was not making any clacking sound. He, there, was, there was no rainstorm. There was no deer. But he had strung me along for like 10, 15 minutes. And now I've gotten to the point where the minute he like says, hey, you know, the other day, I'm like, bro, you're lying. Okay, I've learned to identify that. 
But I had friends that always would come up with crazy things. And there was this, this group of guys in, in Long Island, New York, when I was living there. They would do, like, these crazy things, and they'd come and tell you about them. And obviously, I had learned to, like, not believe everything that they said. And I remember one time they came up to me, they're like, bro, the other night, we ate 30 tacos at Taco Bell. I was like, bro, you're making that up. They're like, no, I'm being, ser- I'm being 100% real. I'm being so serious with you. I'm being honest. I was like, dude, I cannot trust you because the other day you said this. The other day you said that. And, and I had to, like, navigate how do I figure out when they're being 100%. When are they being honest with me? And so they came up with a system, which I don't know if I even liked it, but I appreciated it because it allowed me to know when they were being honest. And it was the words, whenever they would say, for really real, that meant that they were being 100% honest with me. Okay? That was, like, their key. That was, their, that was like, their no, I would never lie if I say, for really real. And I don't understand, like, what bro code they were going after, but, but if he said, dude, we, we ate 30 tacos the other night, I'm like, there's no way you ate 30 tacos, just you and another guy. He would grab me and say, dude, for really real. And I knew it was true. I'm like, dude, 30 tacos, that's a lot. Or they'd come up to me and they'd tell me about some kind of crazy thing that they did in a video game and, and their, 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 their score of what they had done or their sporting event. I was like, dude, it's impossible, there's no way. And they would stop and they'd look at me and they'd say, dude, for really real. And in that moment, we knew that that was honesty. Like, you don't go against the code, okay? You just don't go against for really real. And that was our way of knowing when they were being serious, when they were being truthful. And I feel like TBH was, like, made to be something like that, to say, TBH, to be honest. And in that moment, it's like that one moment of honesty where we can share what's really on our mind, what we're really thinking. But we see this pop up on social media, and people say TBH all the time. And how many times are we really honest on social media? We say, TBH, I don't know you, but, but you're chill, right? Are we being sincere? We say so like, TBH, who knows? But, but that's one of the times that even in that moment, even in our TBH, we're not actually being honest, right? Even in that moment sometimes, we're not being truthful. And so this idea of truth is so important. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. We said that Jesus is truth. If we listen to the life of Jesus, if we look at the life of Jesus, it's important that we understand that, that he is truth and that the opposite is, is the enemy, is Satan, and he is the father of lies. It says that his best way to tempt us, his best way to get us is to lie. You see, if, if the enemy came to you and said, like, hey, you need to do like this super awful thing, well, you would never do that. But if you make that super awful thing look appealing, look interesting, look kind of good, kind of intriguing on the outside, then we would take a step in that direction, and a step in that direction, a step in that direction, until ultimately then we would sin. Satan's tactic is to use lies, and so it's important that we are honest. And in this series, our desire is to get really honest about some of these topics, to get really honest about some of these things that we might be struggling with, or we might be thinking or feeling that maybe nobody else knows, or maybe only our best friend knows. Maybe we don't want to talk about Maybe it's uncomfortable. I don't know. But we want to get honest about these things. And so tonight, we're talking TBH, I'm insecure. We're talking about insecurities. The way that we feel around other people sometimes. The way that we feel in, in groups of people. The way that we feel when, when no one else knows what's actually going on on the inside. That insecure feeling that comes up when we're with new people. Or that feeling that comes when we're with someone who's asking us to do something that may be uncomfortable. That insecure feeling that, that comes inside of us. That truthfully... Most of us have experienced before. Can I have an honesty moment with you guys tonight? Okay. I can have an honesty moment with one person. No, can I have an honesty moment with you guys tonight? I've, I've struggled with this. Insecurity is something that has been a big part of my life ever since I was a kid. 
Now, there's a couple of reasons, and I try to like trace this and track this out a little bit. And I think for the first part, the first reason I've always felt insecure is because I've always felt a little bit like an outsider. You see, you guys know this. I grew up in Italy, and, and because of that, I, I got my nickname, and I tell cool stories, and I like to make pasta, and, and that all sounds great. But growing up, it wasn't always easy being an American living in another country. That wasn't a bad thing. Italians really like Americans, and it was cool. And I'd be like, what's up, girls? I'm American. And they were not impressed. But it was one of those things where I went to school, and every single day I was reminded of the fact that I am not like everyone else here. I don't fit in 100%. Now, most people didn't know that I was American until I told them, until they heard me speak English. But I knew that I was different from every single person in my school. You see, every person in my school had an Italian mom. And Italian moms were really good cooks. And my mom was an okay cook. You see, Italians eat pasta every single day, seven days a week for lunch. That's their big meal. Their dinner is really small. And they eat pasta every single day, seven days a week. And guess how many times we had pasta? Six days a week. Okay, like that's a big deal. All right, that's like a big no-no. Sunday is like the biggest pasta day in Italy. And we would have chicken and potatoes because we were Americans. And we were different. And the holidays that they celebrated were different. And sometimes it was fun because on Thanksgiving, my dad would let us skip school. And we had to stay home because we were Americans. And it was Thanksgiving. And Italians don't celebrate Thanksgiving because, you know, no Indians and Mayflower and all that kind of stuff. And so we in Italy had a different experience, but we were Americans there. We were like different people in a different culture. And so I always kind of felt a little bit like an outsider. The other reason I felt like an outsider at school was because I was serious about my walk and relationship with God. Like, if you asked me, I would say, my parents are here as missionaries, and I love Jesus, and I want to live my life to please him. And everyone around me was like, you're weird. Because they had gone to, to Catholic school, and they had gone to catechism, and, and, and they had worked their way up to their first communion around the age of 12, and they had never stepped foot in a church ever again. It was strange. They didn't understand what, what church was like. They didn't know what a youth group was. I would invite them to youth group, and they would ask me, hey, because you're a different religion, will I go to hell if I come to your youth group? Like, that's the kind of conversations that I was having. I would tell people that I didn't want them to cheat on my test because I loved Jesus, and I didn't think that I, should, that I should let people cheat. And they would get angry at me and mad at me, and I felt like this outsider, and I felt like I didn't totally belong. The other reason I felt like I didn't belong in Italy, if I can be honest with you guys, it was I, I was always a bigger dude. And I felt self-conscious about my weight when I was hanging out with my Italian friends. And they had these cool clothes. And, and I had this buddy who was my friend in high school in time, and I never forget this, because he, he let me borrow his old pair of Nike sneakers. He goes, here, wear these. And I had this one nice hoodie, and I put the hoodie on, and he goes, if we can just get you some name brand jeans, you'll have one good outfit. Like, that was, like, that was how they thought in Italy. I was an outsider. I was different from everyone else. And also, being the personality type that I am, I always felt like an outsider because I was always worried. I was a little insecure about what other people thought. I've heard you guys, some of you guys talk about this, or the Enneagram is the big thing out there, the personality study. And my Enneagram number is the number two, and, and, and that number specifically, that personality type is one that cares about what other people think. Like, I'm the kind of person, if someone is mad at me, I'm like laying in bed thinking, why is that person mad at me? And other people are like, dude, there's 50 people mad at me, and, and I don't care, and it doesn't change my day. And I'm sitting there worrying about the one person that's upset with me. That's because that's how God made me, how he designed me. And so for me, insecurity was something that has always been in my past. It's always been something that I think about, and it's always been something that I've struggled with. Maybe you've felt this way before. Maybe you've felt like an outsider before. 
Maybe it's not as dramatic. Maybe it's not because you grew up in another country, but maybe you changed schools at some point. Maybe you changed sport teams. Or maybe you went to go visit someone in another town. Maybe something happened where you were put in a situation where you felt like you were the person on the outside, where you felt like the odd person out. Maybe it's because of something that you've believed. Maybe you came here on a Sunday night and you said, man, I love Jesus. I want to follow him. And when you go have a conversation with someone else, they're like, dude, that's weird. And maybe you felt like that outsider before. Maybe it's because you felt different for some reason. Or maybe like me, you worry about what other people think. You see, the interesting thing is it's a normal part of our development to start to worry about what other people are thinking about us. You see, the way we've grown up, the way God has made us, our whole lives is to be, kind of be influenced by our parents. Like when we're born, that is our primary relationship. Like our parents take care of us. They do everything for us. They feed us. They tell us when to go to bed. The only thing we have control of is when we do do. All right? But even then, we need parents to come and change our diapers. Like literally, when we're infants, we need our parents for everything. And that's how God designed it, that we would learn from them, that we would be nurtured by them, that we would receive from them. And then as we start to grow older, we develop a little more independence and a little more independence and a little more independence. And by the time we hit middle school and then especially high school age, we've reached this level where we're starting to look at our friends. We're starting to look at the people around us. God designed us like that. And suddenly these other relationships become important in our lives. Suddenly we care what others think. We care about how we relate with people. We care about friendships. All of these things become important, and that's okay if we know who we are, if we're grounded in how God has made us, if we're grounded in, 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 in the identity that we have, and we don't get lost and make too much of what other people think. See, this is what it looks like in school. When we start to hang out with other people, we start to feel insecure, we start to feel like our identity is different than the people around us, there's usually one of two tendencies that we have. The first one is to push people aside, to alienate others. We say, no, that person is different. They cannot sit at our table. No, that person is different. They cannot hang out with us. That dude's weird. They're into some, some like, weird stuff, or they're, they're into to, to math, or they're into to, to cartoons, or I don't know what it is. But we've realized and identified one trait or a couple traits about them that make them a little bit different than us, and suddenly, whoa, step away. You're not welcome here, usually because we're so worried ourselves about fitting in, about who we're hanging out with, about looking like everyone else, that when someone comes along that is a little bit different, and we keep them at arm's length. That's our first defense mechanism. The other one is that we start to conform, and we start to become just like everybody else. That's why we have like these categories, and there's like macro categories, micro categories, where we talk about people who are in athletics or people who are into studies or into music. And the reason we, we create all these lanes, like categories of people, they're into video games, or they're into their grades, or, or whatever it is, is because we, we need someone to identify with. We need to, to, to be united with these subgroups. But a lot of the reasons is because there's an insecurity happening on the inside. There's something that's going on inside of us that we can't quite explain, we can't quite identify. And it becomes so important for us to see how everyone's doing and how everyone's fitting in and we're constantly looking at others and constantly comparing at what other people are doing. And the truth is, guys, this doesn't, we don't grow out of this. This continues to happen into adulthood. And so it's important that we learn today, that we learn now, how to deal with these things, how to not be insecure in these areas because as we move forward and grow in life, these things keep following us. Yesterday, I reached my 10-year college reunion 10 years since I graduated college. Talk about feeling old. I felt so old. 
Thank you for the clap. Sanders, I appreciate it. I got a degree. And I, and I went to, to CIU yesterday. They had like this homecoming. And I'll be honest, man, homecoming was really lame at CIU. And I rolled up there and they had like some activities. And, and they told us they were going to take a class picture of all the people from the class of 2009. There literally, literally was five of us. And we were like, what's up? <laughs> we took this awkward picture in front of a wall. It was like an old band pick. It was good. But one of the things that people say they dread going to reunions of high school and college is because when they get there as adults, they're worried about seeing and comparing themselves to everybody else and what everyone else is doing and where everyone else is at in life. It's because we're not, we're not secure. We're not rooted. Our identity is not secure in who we are. And so that's the key to all this. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 139. This is a psalm that we're, we're just going to take a look at a couple verses but Psalm 139 is, is probably one of my favorite psalms in the whole Bible. It is so encouraging. It's so challenging. And if you have time tonight when you go home, you could read through this. Or tomorrow morning for your quiet time, read through this. Psalm 139 is just is pretty incredible. Um, the start of it just says stuff like, Lord, you have searched me. This is David speaking to God. He said, God, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit up. You know when I rise. You know when I get up. You know when I sit down. You discern my thoughts. You know, when I'm, when I'm laying, he says, he says, no matter where I go, the highest height that I could go, you would be there by my side. He goes, in, in the lowest low of my life, you would be there by my side. He goes, no matter where I go, what I do, what I'm thinking, what I say, God, you are near me. And as he's saying this and praying this to God, we get to verse 13, and he just says this. He says, God, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. And I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And he continues, he goes, my frame wasn't hidden from you. I wasn't made in secret. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. And then at the end, he says, search me. Know my heart. Know my thoughts. He says, God, I want to be identified with you. I want you to know me. And he goes, and the reason I'm, I want this is because you were the one who created me. You formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, Scripture says that before we were even an idea in the universe, God knew who we were going to be. He knew what your name was going to be. He knew what the color of your hair was going to be. He knew what the color of your eyes was going to be. He knew what your skills were going to be, your talents. He knew what your likes and dislikes were going to be. He knew what your favorite restaurant was going to be. He knew how Brussels sprouts smell weird. Like He knew all this, and, and that I don't like them. He knew every single thing about you before you were even created. And he's the one that put you together. He's the one that created you. I mean, if you come to our confirmation class, if you've been through that, we talk about creation. We say God created the world with such incredible detail. Like, think about this for a second. Trees and plants and the ocean and the sunset and, and how some water is salt water, some water is regular water, and, and all these different intricacies of, of, of life of creation. And when he creates man and woman, he takes even more time and develops them and creates them in an even more unique way. And so everything about you is not by accident. It's done by God. It's on purpose for a purpose. God created you. He put you together. He made you the way that you are because of his love for you and because you're so unique and different from everybody else. And that's something that we need to just let it soak in sometimes. This, this idea of being fearfully and wonderfully made. We were joking during our walkthrough, like, what does it mean to be fearfully made? Like, like is it afraid? God wasn't afraid. The, the idea in the Old Testament of the fear of the Lord or of being made fearfully is, is this, this reverent idea 
This idea where God is taking his time. He's making him a detail. He's crafting together every part of you. He's not just like cookie cutter, like person number one, person number two, person number three, person number four. No, he's taking his time. He's thinking about your personality. He's thinking about your, your body. He's thinking about your, your ideas. He's thinking about your mind, your skills, your abilities. He's thinking about everything about you so that when he puts you together, he makes a beautiful and perfect product. He doesn't make junk. When we can start to understand that and see that and believe that, we start to develop the security inside of us. And we don't need someone to say, man, you're awesome. We don't need someone to say, good job, dude. We don't need someone to say, hey, you're cool enough to sit with us at this table. That we can rest in the fact that God has made us, God has created us, and that's enough for us. You see, God has made us so unique. There's this, this principle that the counselors talk about. They talk about when, when stuff is happening inside of your life, when stuff is going on inside of what you're dealing with, when stuff is, is, is happening um, below the surface, they go back to this picture of an iceberg. And, and, and we have a picture. We'll go ahead and throw that up on the screen. Um, an iceberg is so unique because they say that when an iceberg is in the water, what everyone sees, the, the, the top of the iceberg is about 10% of the size of the whole iceberg. 90% of the iceberg is below the water. And the same is true of us. What people see of us on the outside is about 10%. 90% of what people don't see is how we really are, how we really feel, how we really act, how we are really formed and made. There's so much more than meets the eye when it comes to each and every one of us. And sometimes we just need to take time to get close enough to someone, to love them enough, to get to know them, to get to see them, to find out what's happening below the surface. This is true of you. This is true of me. This is true of the person sitting next to you. This is true of every person that you don't like. This is true of every person that annoys you. This is true of your family, your siblings, your parents, the people who make you mad. The truth is God created every single person in the world, and he took his time, and they're fearfully and wonderfully made. He's got an incredible purpose for everyone. And when we don't believe that, when we don't feel that, we start to live into our insecurity. We start to wonder, well, well, why am I like this? Or why this? Or why that? And we start to treat other people, sometimes even ourselves, differently than how we're supposed to be treated and how we were made. When we understand that God has made us for a purpose, for a reason, for something very specific, when we get that and grasp that and are able to move forward in that, that's how we start to move forward through our insecurity. And so our question tonight is how do we fight those insecurities? How do we fight those thoughts that come to us? How do we fight those, those ideas that make us think that, that we're not loved or we're not able to be loved? Or the person sitting around us, the person sitting next to us is not capable of being loved. How do we, how do we fight these ideas? And I want to give us two simple ways tonight. Two simple ways to fight this. And the first one is with truth. The way that we fight insecurity is with truth. You see, just like any other scenario, just like any other thing that happens, we need the truth to ground us. We need the truth to guide us. I know Halloween just passed, and I know there's been like um, haunted houses and, and, and deceased farms and all these kind of things. I'm not a fan of that. I'm just, I don't, just don't like to be scared, like period. Like I've been scared before by friends or roommates or I'm just like, no, we, we don't do that. Like just, there's no need to scare people. I hate it more than anything. 
And someone was talking one time, they said they hated haunted houses and, and haunted mansions, and they said, they said what, would, what would you do if someone like paid you to, to go into one? I was like, I, I wouldn't go into one. Like, no, no, what if someone gave you like all the money in the world? I'm like, dude, I'm not going in. But if I ever had to go inside of one, what I would do is I would just remind myself of that truth of like, there is a way out of this. This is not real. This is fake. To remind ourselves of the truth can help us through things, whether it's with fear or, or, or anxiety or, or, or insecurity. And if we can remind ourselves of the truth of what God is trying to do, what he's trying to say, that he loved you, created you, made you, then we can fight the insecurities that are all around us. Some of you guys have heard this before, and we've talked about this, but I've gone through a season of, of believing insecurities. And I went through a season, even as I've grown up, of not believing that I was fearfully and wonderfully made, that God had a plan for me and for my life. And one of the things that, that happened for me in, in 2015, not that long ago, I sat down with someone who encouraged me through Scripture and took me through a passage in Ephesians chapter 1. I know some of our small groups have gone through this. But Ephesians chapter 1 is one of those passages that if you read through it, it's just so rich in its language of how much God has done for us. And it's a passage that changed my heart so much that I got the, the chance to teach it. And I taught through it with my old Bible, and every time I'd open up my Bible to teach it, I would open it to the same page, and eventually the page ripped out. And so I took this page, and, and I framed it, and it's not like more important than the rest of the Bible. It's not like a better page than, than anything else. But this is a reminder for me. As it sits on my desk, as I look at it and I read through it, that, that God has blessed me, that he chose me before the foundation of the world, that he predestined me, he adopted me, he showed me the purpose of his will, he blessed me, he redeemed me, he forgave me. And as I read through this, even when I don't feel those things, even when I feel insecure, even when I feel like there's no way that somebody could love me, there's no way that, that I could have friends, there's no way that you fill in the blank, I remind myself of the truth of God's word which is that no matter what anyone else thinks, God loves me. And he loves you too. So the first way that we find insecurity is we got to remind ourselves of truth, that we're all made in his image, that we're all made for a purpose, on purpose, that God loves us, that he's given us so much. And the second thing that we need is community. Authentic community to come around side of us to remind us in those moments of doubt, in those moments of difficulty, in those moments of insecurity of how much we are valuable. That's why we come together here. That's why we want you to know that you belong here because we desire to see a community that is willing to love other people that are different from us, that look different, that talk different, that have different interests, that are into different things, but that are still made in the image of God. And if we can understand this and, and see this in each other, that we would love one another in such a way to encourage them no matter what, encourage them through insecurity, encourage them through doubt, encourage them through fear, encourage them through anything that would have happened. When I was in college, I had a bunch of buddies who loved to go backpacking. And every year they would go up to Pisgah National Forest in, in Brevard, North Carolina. And every year they would go backpacking for their fall break trip, for their Easter trip, and pretty much any excuse they had, they would go up there. And they used to come to me and they say, Stal, we, we want you to come with us on a trip. And I was always like, nah, man, you guys go without me. Have fun. And they said, well, well, why don't you come with us next time? Yeah, maybe next time. I'll think about it. But the truth is I had no intention of going. You see, I was worried about going backpacking. I'd never gone before. I grew up by the beach in Italy, not in the mountains. I didn't know what backpacking meant, what it entailed. 
You see, I was worried about hiking. I was a big guy. I was like, I don't even know if I can make it up the mountain. I thought to myself, man, I don't have the right gear. I don't have a backpack. I don't have a sleeping bag, like a, a real one. Like I got like the Walmart $10 one. But to go in the mountains, and I thought, man, what are we going to eat? <laughs> like, how are we going to eat in the mountains? Like, what are we going to do? Like, I, I need my pasta. Or I was just thought, like, what are we, what's this going to be like? So this buddy of mine sat down with me my senior year. After I had said no and no and no and found excuse after excuse to not go on these trips. And he sat down with me my senior year. He said, Stow, we want you to go backpacking with us. This is our last year to go. We want you to come with us. And I remember thinking, like, dude, why do, you, why do you want me to come with you so badly? Like, you've got all these other guys. He's like, Stow, you're our friend, and we want you to be there. We love you. We care about you. I said, well, to be honest with you, man, here's why I don't want to go. And I told him, I said, I'm worried about the hiking. I'm worried about how many miles it's going to be. I said, I'm worried about the gear. I don't have, I don't have a good backpack. I said, I'm worried about what we're going to eat. What, what's our menu going to be like? What do you eat in the woods? Like wild berries? Like, I don't know. I ain't no Bear grills. And he says, Stout, we want you to go so badly. He goes, let me talk to the rest of the guys. So my friend David went. He sat down with all the guys. He said, listen, we want Stout to go on this trip. But here's what he's worried about. And you know, all those guys came back to me and they said, we want you to go on this trip. We care about you. You're our friend. We accept you. We love you so much that we're not going to go on this crazy, normal hike that we usually go. We're going to go on a different part of the mountain where the hike's a little bit easier. It's a little bit shorter. They said, we know you don't have gear. So we talked to this guy who's got an extra backpack. He's got another sleeping bag. He can't go, but he's the bigger guy. It'll fit you. It'll be great. It'll be perfect. We got everything that you need. And he said, and just so you know, we've come up with a menu, and here's what we're going to eat, and here's what we're going to cook. And, and one of the things that we want to do, because you're coming with us, is we're bringing a cooler. And, and, they, and they hiked in, like, one and a half miles with me, with this little extra cooler of food that's something you would never take into the backcountry, just to ease my worries and ease what I was worried about. And when I went, I realized I had no reason to be worried. I was with people who loved me, who cared about me. I was able to hike. I had the gear. We had, did the meals. And now it's one of my favorite things to do is to go up in the mountains with them. You see, the way that we fight our insecurities is to be open about them, to share them with God, who already knows us, who already made us, who already knows what we're thinking. Search my heart, oh God, test me and try me. He knows. When we can be real with him and open up with him and allow him to speak truth inside of our lives, we can move forward from our insecurities. In those moments when that's really hard, we get with two or three, four people and sit them down and say, listen, here's what I'm going through. Here's where I'm having a struggle. Here's where my hard time is. And allow them to speak this truth of Jesus inside of our situation. Allow them to believe on behalf of us. Allow them to, to take the, 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 the sick man, the paralyzed man, to the top of the roof and break the roof open and, and drop the guy down. Allow them to believe on our behalf. Tonight, I want you guys to close your eyes and bow your heads. And I just want you to think for a second. In what areas does our insecurity manifest itself most? In what areas do we feel insecure? In what areas do we tend to conform or push people away because we're not confident in ourselves and what God is doing in our lives? What lies are we believing Will we allow the truth of God to come and speak into our hearts? The truth that you are loved, 
that you were made in his image, that you were fearfully, wonderfully made, that you are who he wants you to be, that he is enough for you, and that we don't need the praise and the accolade of man to encourage us in our journey. My prayer tonight is that you would look at scripture to find your truth, to find your identity, to find your security. And then in those hard moments, you would turn to people who you really trust, true friends as we talked about a couple weeks ago, to come alongside of you and to love you in those hard situations. Jesus, thank you so much for all that you do to us. Thank you so much, Father God, for how you love us. Thank you so much, Father, for how you've made us. Thank you so much, Father, for the scripture which provides truth for us to live by. Truth that reminds us that we're made in your image. That we're made perfectly, fearfully, wonderfully made. You don't make junk. You knit us together before the foundation of the world in our mother's womb. You created us with our skills, talents, abilities, gifts, personalities, looks, and appearances. And you made us on purpose. Jesus, thank you for loving us. Put people in our lives that will come alongside of us and love us, care for us, that will love our, our, our friend, that we love our hearts more than our friendship, that will be willing to have the hard conversations with us, be willing to stand alongside of us in our moments of insecurity, in our moments of doubt, and remind us of the truth of your word. Jesus, speak to our hearts tonight. Work in a powerful way. Amen.